and welcome to the sixth episode of the third season of the Personal Body Podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane. And as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. I can understand you blanking on episodes, but seasons... I think I know how many seasons we've gone for. It's been very burnt into my brain. I'm not so happy about it. I got a little tongue-tied. I got a little tongue-tied. I've been thinking a lot, so I've just had a lot on my mind. And I'm going to propose something, Scott. It's no longer plebs on footy. I'm no longer fit in that category. I've made a pretty glorious return to football, so I don't fall into this journalistic category of Why? the... Uh, of the people, fools that don't play football, the Tom Browns of the world, the Sam McClure's, the people that don't know anything about football because they've never played. You play the lowest I standard now, of footy in the state, don't you? I am now a footballer, and you have to respect my opinions more. Are you, have you even been any good? No, but that's the side of the point. I play on the weekends, well, three give, out of four times. Well, give us, and <laughs> give us your stats. Oh, five goals in the last uh, two games. Well, technically four. No, technically five, actually four goals. I got given an extra one, which was a nice little freebie to pad myself. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm kicking goals. I'm a bit ashamed of myself how upset I get when I hear that you played well. <laughs> Liam, who's been on the pod once or twice, uh, he always comes home and says, Oh, Rory played really well, kicked a few goals. I'm like, damn it! <laughs> can I, I can understand how it hurts to be left in the dust by my glorious return. Do you have to bring it into the pod, though? Like, is that necessary? Well, people like to hear what's going on with their lives. People like a window into our personal lives, Scott. And this is what's going on with me now. I'm I now know, a superstar. I know Poochie misses us, but he doesn't care about SF, your footy. SFL. Exactly. <laughs> is that the worst quality division you play? I, I, and you've been I've fine. never heard of a... Worst division, so yes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen worse football, and I remember watching my brother's under 10s. But anyway, like, getting off this selfish topic of you, this is, we've endured the gold jacket, green jacket round of the season. You really miss a brilliant segue there to go from, so let's stop talking about your shit football and talk about the league shit football. I'm disappointed in you. It's a good segue and you missed it. But yeah, it was a shit and round of football. It, <laughs> mate, it was an absolute sting. That Saturday, take out the uh, Geelong-Sydney game. Every game you look at and think like that is a prototype gold jacket, green jacket game. And I'm not going to lie, I've struggled a little bit to pick what gold jacket, green jacket is. Are you is. just glad you got a formula now? Takes it out of your it, hands. It, it does a little. I mean, it doesn't considering every bit of the formula is heavily subjective. <laughs> but it does, it does help a little bit. It, it lets it, you analyse it and approach it in a different way. Whatever comes out, it just comes out. But anyway, should, should we get onto it? Gold jacket, oh, we green may jacket. As well. We may as well. The, the segment whose title derives from the line of Happy Gilmore, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit. And we give 3-2-1 votes for the most meaningless games of the round, of which there were many this time, Banjo. There were many of them. I'm starting with a bit of a surprise. I, I think one vote, most of us thought it wouldn't wouldn't come out as one. We thought it would be a little bit more gold jacket. To be honest, jacket I thought it was going to be three. Uh, I, I cannot imagine caring uh, less about I think game. I'm happy with three. It probably should have been two if I was doing it off my own whim. But luckily, it's been objectified. <laughs> It's been objectified. <laughs> so one vote we're giving Bulldogs defeated Carlton by 21 points. Now, to explain Outside how... Outside of you putting North Melbourne in every gold jacket, green jacket, this might be your worst call. Ah, uh, right this... this is terrible. This is between two of the worst three teams in the comp. And, yeah, I just can't imagine wanting to watch this game. Let... I did firstly, watch it, but I didn't want to watch it. Firstly, it got one more relevance points than the one which got two votes. So it's not by a lot. Also, they just it just got a little bit of a boost for occasion because it was a Friday night. You get occasion points. It just gives oh, that little boost. Friday night. So the AFL's uh, incompetence in putting Carlton on Friday night six times this year is going to get them out of no, their no, but- rightful gold jacket greens. Spot. It's about who gives a shit about the game, and lots of people are watching on a Friday night, so you get a little bit of points for the fact that people do give a shit about the fact that it's on Friday night, and they're not you happy know about people it. people are watching on Friday night? Because they're bored and didn't go out. Yeah, but they, they like me, but like, they, they care they about the fact the that they're that annoyed girlfriend. that they're watching this rubbish. So it makes sense. And they also got a little bit of individual player performance points, because Bont was incredible. Crips was incredible. I also have a bone to pick with you about this. You're just... I think you're missing sight of what relativity is. Bond and Crips were, were incredible, but I think it was made to look even greater because of the players around I, I think that's the point, though. When you see individual players just exceed the standard of the game by so much, that really grabs your attention and makes you realise how good those players are. And it made me realise how much more Bond should be playing in the midfield. He, he, that he is spent more true. time in the midfield, and my God, he's better there. Like He's not a forward. He's a no, midfielder. He is 
a midfielder who can do the occasional move forward and kick a surprise goal. He's not he's not someone that should be played permanently forward because that he's better there. I know I know he's got the key forward size. He's tall enough, hmm. but he's not really strong enough, and he doesn't get to use his dexterity when he's forward the way he does through the midfield. His ability to use clean hands and find gaps through a pack with his long arms is what sets him out as a midfielder, and you just don't have the opportunities to do that around goal. He's an unbelievable user of the ball through the middle of the ground, mm. and he can't kick for goal. So get him where you want yeah, that's him, the other side. delivering <laughs> the ball inside 50. Pretty incredible that uh, both Billings and Bond pick three and four in the same draft have the same problem going forward. Amazing kicks around the ground, cannot kick for goal. I just want to say, the other thing which gave it a, gave it a few more points was uh, the, the media interest is... A little bit real, based on the starting this, first time 0-6 Carlton. This is one I'll give you. That That's quite interesting. And you hear the press conference of Brendan Bolton trying to justify it all, and it, it creates a little bit of discussion. So there's a little bit more discussion about that than the other games. But anyway, we'll move on. Two votes, and I'll have to justify this now. Hawthorne and St Kilda. Look, I will give you some credit. This game also sucked. I just don't think it sucked as much. It was extremely low-quality game. That's very true. The margin is the most gold jacket, green jacket margin you'll ever see of 35 points. And Hawthorne were always going to win that game. They were always on top of that game. Oh, St. Kilda got within a goal. Yeah, it was, it, it was not real. It was not real. I was, I was half watching it and I didn't, I didn't think they were out of it until about halfway through the third quarter. But the other thing is, you don't get many occasion points playing in Tassie on a Saturday night. Like, Okay, this slander against Tasmania, our great seventh <laughs> state... They have as many senators as everybody else. They deserve to be treated equally. And they're the second home of the greatest football team in the country. So you just got to give them... North Melbourne are an irrelevant club, just like Tasmania are, are an irrelevant state, all right? It's, it's, it's got to come into the, come into consideration. Oh, you're so lucky our reach doesn't go down south. Uh, something which did get it a little, a few extra points was uh, Tom Mitchell's individual performance, picking up 45 possessions, which I know he does quite often. But... It still shocks you every time you see that on a stat sheet. So that does stand out and gives him a few extra points of relevance. Pretty soon, I do think we'll become numb to it, though. It's it's like we did with Gary Ablett. If Gary Ablett get, get 35 touches, kick three goals, he'd be like, eh. Same with Dustin Martin. Some of Dustin Martin's incredible you games. You don't really go, eh, though, do you? No, but you like. have you watched Dustin Martin recently and thought... Oh, that's not his best game. And he comes away with 30 touches and three yeah, goals. Yeah, no, but, no, but we get a, yeah, we get a higher... The higher expectation of them, and Dusty has been playing very good football, but it wasn't as good as last year, and as a result, I'm a little bit disappointed. But I, I still think when he does play those amazing games of you know 30 touches and two goals, we're still like, wow, that's good. Just in the same way as we are with Tom Mitchell. Every time you look at a stat sheet and see 45 possessions, you're I don't like, know. I reckon wow. in a year or two, we're going to be like, yep, another one, but nothing else. I don't think we'll get excited for it anymore. I'm s- right, sad well, to say it'll it, start but... becoming more and more gold jacket, green jacket. But oh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, three votes. Uh, I think I think you should be happy with this one. Three votes. We're giving GWS defeated Brisbane by thirty four points to the so to those teams we say gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives this shit? Yeah, I still would have put Bulldogs Carlton at three personally. Really? But this is a really ordinary game. Mate, I was listening to this on GWS the radio. GWS are a real football side. Neither the Bulldogs or Carlton are a real football side. Mate, I was listening to this on the radio, and the entire discussion point was just how much of a rubbish game of footy this is. The way GWS played didn't make them relevant. Like, they, it, was, it was horrendous football. Yeah, look, it wasn't great. <laughs> but there's still moments watching GWS that you have... Where you go, wow, that you don't have with any other side. So if you're talking about individual... Did you have that this game? Yeah, I had a few. Um, can't remember them. <laughs> that didn't there. happen. There were no good moments in the Anytime game. Anytime Whitfield kicks the ball, it looks good. I don't know. Josh Kelly's not there, so it's a little down. Yeah, Toby exactly. Green's not there, so you don't have someone punching somebody else for no reason. Oh, we actually did, though. Uh, Nick Robertson got suspended for just punching somebody miles off the ball. Yeah, 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 okay. But that that's, yeah, fair, yeah, fair enough. But th- this game, like, it is prototype gold go jacket, green jacket. It's a twilight game. Yeah. The margin, 34 points. Who cares about that? It's a rubbish quality game of footy. It's the most predictable result you can come across. Very much gold jacket, green jacket. I'm very happy to give that one three votes. 
Yeah, fair enough. I still just don't think Carlton Bulldogs deserve any respect. You can't criticise it anymore. It has a formula, and that's what happened in the formula, right? An objectively subjective formula. (laughs) But But yeah, let's get to the other games. Let's move on. Uh, so we got Sydney defeating Geelong by... They did not defeat Geelong by 86. I think it was 17. I'm going off the top of my head. My notes are wrong. I apologise. <laughs> um, yep, it was 17 points. There we go. It's 86 to 69. There we go. What an absolute diamond in the rough this game was <laughs> with all of the rubbish we watched on Saturday. Yes. To actually have an exciting result, a relevant game of footy, and quite an intense game of and footy. Very nice. Upset, even though... Sydney now won three in a row down Definitely there, an upset. an incredible feat. Nobody, no Hanabry outweighs no Ablett. So it's just an incredible performance. What Josh Kennedy did in the last is insane. He had more centre clearances for the game than Geelong did, I think. It was just a gargantuan performance he, by that man. He does have those games where you just think, how good is this bloke? Like, he, he carries teams on his shoulder. In, in, and we talk about how Selwood does it. I think Josh Kennedy does it. As often and as well as Joel Selwood does. And yeah, and I think Kennedy's a more consistent player. I think his worst games agree. are better. I would take Kennedy over Selwood. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you on that. I really like building the idea of building around a big-bodied inside midfielder, and he's the prototype for that. He is like dwarfed by Cripps, but outside of that, they're the same sort of beast, really. Yep, yep. Um, man-on-man defense. Very interesting. That's been a problem I've talked I'm about. Very excited for your only actual football take for this <laughs> podcast, Scott. Play it on me. <laughs> the, the thing which I've been critical about with Sydney is just how predictable they are. How just straight up and down they are. They just play very normal footy. They play man on man. They just back themselves to win the contested ball and eventually get on top. Apart from the fact that often they have Buddy deep to give them that slight X factor. Yeah. But they play a very plain brand of footy. Playing against Geelong, though, who... Geelong's good performances have come off the back of defence. They've set up well. They've had a loose man in defence. Yeah, and it's had to be a system defence because they don't have any key defenders. Yeah, and all of a sudden they couldn't do that because Sydney just just manned up on them and just played. It was seven on seven um, in the forward line, and um, it it, it's almost like they're kryptonite. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It should be it should be replicable, but I'm not sure it is given. The players Sydney have are very generally very strong in one-on-one contests. I'm not sure how many sides can take this and see it as uh, something they can copy to beat Geelong, but you have to try it because their ball movement all just stopped in the last half after they didn't have the spare man going through. And the way their midfield was dis- just dispatched by Sydney's shouldn't happen to a team with Selwood and Dangerfield in it. Yeah, I, I think especially with the injuries they have at the moment, I, I think you have to try it against them because mm. um, their midfield is not dominant at the moment, and the way which you, the way in which they're playing well and they're getting on top of teams is they're setting up really well. Mm. And you take that away from them, and all of a sudden they're looking like a pretty average side. And yeah, Sydney did make them look silly in the last quarter. Yeah, and they've got a lot of really young players that in one-on-one contests can probably be bullied a little bit by slightly more mature sides. Outside of the stars, they're a very young outfit and. There's gaps there that can be exploited. For Sydney, though, this is an incredibly impressive win. I'm kind of glad they got it because I won't be f- breathing fire next week for good old North going up there. You but have no chance. You don't still think you're that, a chance that, that in that was game, the second half of that comment. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably a bit too good. <laughs> they are too good. And look, we they, they haven't changed. Like, we know we're going to get from them, and most of the time that they'll, they'll get on top playing that way. Um, but they, it seemed to me that they just matched up well against Geelong and they stopped what Geelong are good at. Mm. And really good win. I think Sydney's problem is playing against the best sides who have the talent to go with them. Their game plan doesn't offer them anything extra. Their game plan is just about allowing their talent to flourish. And yep. against sides like Geelong where they've got an advantage in the middle to lower tier players in sort of body strength and stuff like that, I think it really works. But against sides like Adelaide and the bigger sides, the older sides... I'm not sure it's as effective, and yeah. I think they probably have to sort something out about that. Yeah, well, when you play that way, you have to win in the midfield, yeah. and you are going to do that against Geelong at the moment. Yeah, and you got to be honest with their midfield, you're going to do it most times because apparently Sinclair's a really good ruckman now. But, uh, a fantasy bench says that <laughs> you might you might want to think about picking him up, mate. We should get a good trade going on that one, Scotty. I will not trade you much at all for him. Uh, but yeah, let's move on. Port North. Speaking of uh, excellent ruckman. 
Charlie Dixon. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty Goldstein did not take enough advantage of Paddy Rader's absence, and Port really controlled this game. Did did he win the ruck battle, Todd? Yeah, no, he did, but like not by enough. Not by enough, and you know when Melbourne Max Yuan dominates, but there's pressure so much on the, your midfield that you can't get the ball out cleanly. Richmond, yeah, it was that <laughs> they swamped our first possession. Cunnington was the only guy that could handle the ball cleanly in there. The rest of our midfielders didn't quite have the one touch ability to get the ball out quick enough. And because of that, they really swarmed us through the midfield. And their numbers through the midfield were astonishing. Ebert and uh, Polek and Wines didn't get on top because he was tagged, but uh, Gray did it. It was just some of the numbers through there were insane. And they just were, yeah, too big, too strong, and too powerful through there. You tipped North Melbourne. I did. <laughs> This is a very comfortable win. It's not a flogging, but it's a very comfortable win. No. How disappointed were you with, with the performance? Were you gutted? Uh, not really, because after about halfway through the first quarter, you could just tell you... Kind you, of accepted yeah. it, yeah. You're like, I know, you know when you, can just, you don't have it and you know it? Our ball movement was incredibly well contained by Port. We couldn't connect between the half-back flank and the half-forward flank. Our actual efficiency inside 50 wasn't that bad. Uh, Brent Brown was in his usual self because he was bit monstered by Jonas, and I think he should have got a few more free kicks, but the umpires disagreed with me, Scotty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was the inability to really uh, link between our back half and our forward half that cost us. So Port beat you by setting up well, is that, yeah, is that really what you're saying? That, that doesn't happen often. Normally Port Adelaide get on top, they get on top of the contested ball, they run harder and they get some momentum. Yeah, I don't think they have the option to do that so clearly without Paddy Ryder, because Paddy Ryder does give you some really clean ruck work mm-hmm. whereas like I've said this Nick now knew he does the same thing but some ruckmen they hit out to advantage probably of a higher caliber than others yep, and yep. Paddy Riders when he gets a hit out to advantage it's really really <laughs> exceptional well, when, when is Ryder back just putting him on the I spot I have absolutely no idea Scott at first I said if it was about a month which would be, which would be about <laughs> now, I could have told think. you but we didn't he uh, shouldn't be too far off unless it's one of those injuries which mm. just hang around. Yeah, but uh, we do have big news. I think Magic Dawes actually could have done uh, this. <laughs> it's like a month in a row of good football from him. He does We've a lot. have never seen this before. He, he does. didn't do anything stupid this week. Not one stupid No, but he'll thing. come back. He'll do multiple stupid he things. He ran out time. of a pack, took a bounce and bombed it long and it was like awesome. Yeah, well, of course he's he going to do awesome things. He is awesome. From he's a the- mile away. It was controlled the air whenever we didn't. Our pressure wasn't good enough to actually make long kicks down the line common. But when they were there, we did really well. I think I love him again. Like, I'm back <laughs> again, on the you train. always loved him. Yeah, you? but I never, I didn't rate him. I'm back. I mean, I'm rating and loving him. He's awesome. See, he is awesome. Like the thing which he is, if you could characterize him, it would be awesome. Like what he does is awesome. <laughs> that the problem is so high. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that you want reliability down back and. He might be, he might be all right there, but he's not going to be an Alex Rance. No, no, don't get, me, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going to be an Alex Rance. But like, I'm trying to think of a comparison I'd want him to be. I don't know. Like, there's not really many like him. Really, it's like a good Sam Frost, but that's just a good magic. <laughs> I've got a weird relationship with Matt Jack. He's the only North player who I like, which in some ways makes me want him to do well. In other ways, it's like, that makes it harder to hate North. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But good on him. Good on uh, him. But yeah, so this is a pretty good win for Port, coming away to a probably lower end of the mid-table side. With their injuries and with who they've got out, I think, yeah, credit to them. They really needed this win. And yeah. They got it. At the moment, they just have to string wins together. Yeah, they they've to got that. a lot of reinforcements coming. So if while they're out down now like this, they can get these kinds of wins. Yep. It's brilliant for them. Uh, Crows defeated Suns by 48. This is a slightly surprising non-goal check of Green. <laughs> yeah, no, it was also extremely close. So there, there, there were four games which were like... Last week, I think on my relevance table, I think the lowest was a 25. We had like four under 20 this week. <laughs> so this was a red-hot chance, but it, look, it just missed out. And I think one of the major reasons was for that, there was a little bit of media interest out of Tex being injured, yeah, and true. there was injury points out of Tex getting injured. So they kind of doubled up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and uh, Tom Lynch is out for a month now. Is he now? Yeah. Gee, so, that's, so that's more injury points. <laughs> yeah, I, I took that into my next week, apparently. I oh, know, yeah, it's big losses for both sides. Uh, wait, Gold Coast, Tom Lynch, we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Not Adelaide Tom Lynch. So they're going to have both miss Lynch and May. That's that's yeah, pretty big. They're, that's... they're two captains and they're two best players. Yes. Although, big ups to David Swallow. I think he's really stepped up this year in the absence of... Gary. Yeah, he, no, that, I think we got a few individual player performance points on that as well, um, on Swallow. He, what yeah. did he get? Like 30 and three goals or something? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was yeah. nice to watch the fantasy points tick over. <laughs> yeah, he's been, he's been a good get. Like He's somebody you couldn't really rely on, but... No, you he's... I think that with his role... As long as he's not injured, he will be consistent. But you worry about injuries, and you don't worry about role as much because there's no one else to put in the midfield. It's him and Lyons, and I don't know who else. Took Miller's apparently a tagger now. Is he now? <laughs> we tagged someone at the last weekend, uh, Zorko, okay. I think, and yeah, absolutely yeah, okay. monstered him. But yeah, there's just he's really he all they've got through there outside of Lyons, and he's quite consistent. He's a number one draft pick, so he should be good. Yeah, yeah. And he's coming to that age where you starting to get your prime. He's 24. Oh, he, he hasn't had a chance. Every time he has played, he has looked like he will play. Yeah, Whenever he's, he's got a, he a ha- consistent run. Yeah, and he has won a best and fairest for them. Yeah. Which is incredible to think about because you don't think he's played a full no. season of football. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for Adelaide, just another win that they had to have. They're a good side. They're going to get these wins. Yeah, and but, similarly to Port Adelaide, they have, they've had a lot of injuries and yeah. they, they just need just need to string them together. And yeah, they got Matty Crouch back, which is a big one for them. Yeah, they absolutely. really needed some midfield reinforcements. I think Tex Walker isn't the worst loss they could have, even though he's their captain. They do have a lot of... They've still got Jenkins, McGovern and Tom Lynch, which is still a pretty good key forward line. They're getting bets back this week, apparently. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, absolutely. Their forward line. I, I still think they're the best chance of challenging... Richmond in the back half of the year. If they get all their injuries back and they start clicking like they did last year, yeah. they are a, they are a bloody good team. So yeah, they're just devastating to watch when they're up and going. They, they just have to make sure they they've got enough wins to be top four by then. And yeah, absolutely. Then they're, then they're a real chance. Preferably, like if they have two home finals at Adelaide Oval, they're making the grand final. Like, exactly I don't right. think there's any team that can go there and win in a final. Absolutely. And I, I include Richmond in that. I just also include Richmond in a team that nobody can go to the MCG and beat them at this yep. point in this exactly season. Exactly right. They're a bit frightening. Uh, we, we're doing Kane Corns now, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about our uh, new innovation our through the uh, structure. I'm really glad one of us pays any attention. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an important inclusion to the pot. It's making us it, better. It is, it is. So let's liven things up. Kane Cornsell this week comes courtesy of Grant Thomas, and I know he doesn't really have a media profile anymore, but he's now got a podcast, <laughs> yep. a rival podcast. He does occasionally pop in with something outrageous he to, does. to get a little bit of attention. I'm not going to tell you what his podcast name is because I am protecting our turf, <laughs> but he said, clearly everyone in the footy world would argue Brisbane probably should be sitting three and two. One, it's round six, so they should be sitting three and three by that measure, or four and two. True. And two, that is a ridiculous statement. They won the wooden spoon last year, and that probably, if they'd won one game, we would have been surprised. Can I attempt to play devil's advocate here? You can. I think what he's trying to say is they have been really, really close in two games. They almost beat Port Adelaide. They almost beat Gold Coast. Yes. And the Melbourne game's probably his next one, which is a bit of a stretch, but they were it was close halfway through the last quarter. But... To say that they should have beaten all three of those teams is a, is a little bit extreme. If you have two games within a kick, you're lucky if you win two. You're yeah, fine yeah, if yeah. you win one, and you're unlucky if you lose two. <laughs> to say you should have won both of those is a ridiculous statement. Plus beating Melbourne and beat you by five goals. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they no, it's a bit ridiculous. One and five if they'd been average. If they had the win expectancy you'd expect with the games they've played, look, it, it, it's a classic. It's a classic sort of Kane Corns call. Where you, you think of something like Brisbane aren't too bad, and then you try to take it to the extreme, <laughs> which yes. is which is what he's done. Speaking of, what's your take? I'm going to go with an old-fashioned one. I'm going to bring back the sub. I've heard a lot of talk this week that footy's rubbish and that we need to make some changes to the rule. I bloody love the sub. I thought that the purpose of the sub was to fix up injury problems. It does that purpose. Like, there's no doubt that it, it, it makes a difference to that purpose. I also thought it was bloody cool. I loved going to a game and thinking, oh, who's going to be the sub this week? And I thought the coaches spent so long complaining about the rule that they didn't bother actually using it tactically. And it, the, a lot of interest could have come out of that. If, are they going to pick a running player as sub? Will they pick a taller player for a bit of structure? Or will they bring off an older player late to sort of get him going throughout the season. You have it, you break a young player into it. I really like the sub, and I, I reckon they should bring it back. Pretty strong disagree. 
Everyone hated it. Everyone hated it. It was great, the sub. It, it, I don't think it offered that much, and it just annoyed the crap out of me. I wanted to see some players play a full game. I want, like, the kids that were in the sub, I wanted to see them, see what they yeah, had. Yeah, but that's just a supporter thing. Like, and it could have been really cool to have had players come on. If you used it properly, use it tactically, I don't think players that, come on the right time of the game and inject a little bit of energy, and they, they can be match winners. I don't think the 3-1... Sub thing worked. I, I I just I didn't like it at all. I didn't like what it offered, and to be honest, I've a little bit forgotten what it was like. But still, I don't want it back. I'm happy. I want. I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways with football. I just want the game left alone. And look, a little bit of this football is football is fine. <laughs> I love the game. I will watch it pretty much no matter what. Leave it the fuck alone. No, I agree with you. God, there's been a lot of talk about changing rules this week. But look, a little bit. Little absurd. We do not need zones. Go away, whoever yeah, says zones. You are unqualified for whatever job you have. And that includes if you're like a carpenter. If you think you had, we need zones, go get on welfare. <laughs> they're the things at the moment. It's zones they're talking about and it's abolishing the interchange. And this is just like a, a small way of doing that. And I would make KB just just marginally happier without actually getting rid of the interchange. KB's happiness is not what we should be worried about <laughs> when it comes to rule changes. Yeah, but he's getting a little bit of a following. It's a little bit concerning. <laughs> Any, He is the original Cancorns. He's the archetype. Of he Cancorns. is a good Cancorns. He's an excellent Cancorns. He cannot be trusted with... Any, the fact that he's on the rules of the game committee means that whoever put him on there should have been sacked a while before they got to that decision. He is not appropriate. He is... Just try to make innovation after innovation for no apparent reason. Like, he wouldn't have come up with the tap board. That had tactical purpose. All he wants to do is change for change's sake, and it's just not helpful. Let the game grow. It'll twist and turn naturally. He just He's just an old fart who just wants the game exactly as it was. And he was exactly. younger, even though the game's Can't clearly better. he just be a normal now? old fart who just likes what we've, what we've had and wants to return to the glory days for, you know... Without he's, doing anything, he's good fun though. Got. But anyway, moving on from KB, what's your cane corn stat? Mine's a little, little, it's something. I've gone it's with something. Is it? That's good. <laughs> Scott Lye said is almost as big an inclusion to the side as Nat Nui. Well, that's just wrong, and you know that's wrong. Let me argue my case. <laughs> Go for Without it. Without Scott Lye said, Nick Nat Nui would have to play properly in the ruck. They wouldn't have been able to bring him in as early. Scott Lye said has been good in the ruck. He's been playing half the game there and a little bit forward and the rest on the bench, and he's been good in that role. They have not lost a significant amount from the ruck while he's been in there. And what it's allowed to do with playing Nick Nadanui as more of a pinch hitter has accentuated his impact on the game and made them a better side. Your argument is basically he's been important because he's allowed Nick Nadanui to be as important as he is. But then you ignore the thing which is actually important. That's why I said almost, and I stand by (laughs) it. Nick Nui is significantly more important. But Scott Lyset has been a huge in for the I'm not criticising Lyset. Completely overlooked. And if you hate yeah, him. That's because Matt Nui is clearly better and has clearly made more of a difference to the yeah, team. Yeah, but people need to look deeper. And Lyset is an important function in their side. He's going to stay there the whole year and he's going to play an important role for them. Strange take, mate. Strange no, take. That's what I'm rolling with. So let's move back <laughs> to the football. Your game. Melbourne defeated Essendon by 36 points. Ah, good football. Relevant footy. <laughs> Relevant footy. This was like so similar to the Melbourne Essendon game last year. It's just ridiculous. They're both, you know, off the short break and it noticeably made an impact on the game. The first half was disgustingly bad. There was no energy. The skills were deplorable. And I was locked in for a very long day at the footy. After half time, Essendon stayed the same. We were okay. <laughs> and that was enough to get us over the line. Pretty comfortable um, win too. But to be honest with you, I'm... I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked with it because if we get that win under the belt, we've got a good run ahead. We've got St Kilda, Gold Coast, Carlton. If we yeah, can that string gets you to six and three, exactly, and we string four games together, and it's not so much the fact that we're six and three that excites me. It's the thing that we can get a bit of momentum in our season, then maybe we can start actually. Are you worried that even though you won't have beaten anybody worth their salt, you'll still be talked up as premiership favourites? Why don't you win those three games? Yeah, that Melbourne does have a me. real problem with getting heads a little bit big. No, it's not us. The media are just... They're attached to us at the moment. They kind of, they want us to be like the Bulldogs-Richmond story of the year. So they're just 
going up they and down. I also wanted us. you to be that last year. <laughs> yeah. And probably like three probably, years before that too. It's probably more extreme now. So that that is a little bit worrying. But, mate, did you watch Maxwell Gorm? I watched him a little bit. Yeah, I did. Mate, he was unbelievable. He's in, pretty good. In the first half, there were a couple of like five-minute patches where like the game was just rubbish and it was very even. But there were like a couple of five-minute patches where he just he really started asserting himself. And when that happened, you're like, huh. Like, we're actually, we are a better team than Essendon. And I just thought, if he can start asserting himself consistently for the second half, away we go. And that is exactly what happened. He was, he was absolutely dominant. Dominant in the clearances. Dominant around the ground. He is a damn good footballer. He is, and you are better than Essendon. I... Yeah. <laughs> you really exposed Essendon's midfield by doing that. A lot of sides have been able to sweat on you and make his impact mute. Gorn's impact a little bit. Essendon just do not have the cattle to do that. I think Essendon midfield really needs to be interrogated. Heppel and Merritt are okay. Good to okay. But what's there behind that? Zaharakis is a B grader. Like, there's nothing... There was a while there he looked like he could be an A grader. Yeah, it was never probably happened. five years ago, though. Yep. <laughs> there's just not enough depth there. There's not enough hard, ball-winning midfielders. And all this has been said before, but I just I don't see what how they're going to rectify this issue. There's no one to come through there. They, because they, McGrath's not that kind of player either. They clearly play the game from the back half, which I think is I think part of that is the fact they have to because they're being beaten down the mm. middle, and a part of that I think is by design as well. Um, yeah, and look, they've got players that would make that intuitively. You'd think that would work. Hurley's a good user of the ball. Goddard's a good user of the ball. Sada McKenna are really, really quick. And McGrath spends a fair bit of time back there yeah, as well. Yeah, and he's a good user and he's pretty quick too. Yeah. You'd think that would allow you to really build something from there. But they don't have any link through the midfield to get it forward. And their forward structure breaks down with only one forward. And it, it's fundamentally not a great tactic. Like, you are banking on the fact that you're going to be beaten out of the middle and the game is going to be locked in your defence. It's, it's, it's Sydney, not it's smart. Sydney's game plan without... Dominant midfield. Sydney Pretty sit much, back yeah. really deep because they've one back their midfield to win the ball and two think they can win the one on ones. But without being able to do either of those, which you really question Essendon on doing that, there's no ability to really generate forward scores without extended chain handball runs up the midfield, which yeah. aren't they aren't a consistent way of scoring. They're great when they happen. They look amazing they do when they look come amazing. on. But they happen three or four times a game, and that's why Essendon's scoring's been so bad. That's the only way they're moving the ball forward because they're not getting anything out of. Well, Jake Stringer's been their best key forward. Can we think about that? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And he was, he was on the weekend as well. He wasn't playing well the first half of the well, the first three rounds. He's playing not as a key forward, and <laughs> Joe Danaher's there. He's an All Australian. He's fallen off a cliff. Yeah, Joe Danaher is that. He looks really lost and really scared to do anything, which is the whole point of Joe Danaher is he's meant to be dominant. He plays in that way and yeah, he, he, he doesn't want to be dominant anymore. There's a reason he's been compared to Buddy multiple times. Because the way is, like, it's, it's a fair comparison. Yeah, the way it's a he good swings comparison. on to his left, it, it, it's really reminiscent. He's got the long kick. He's a better mark overhead at full stretch. He's like tall. Uh, everything says... Physically and all the attributes he has, she should be replicating what Buddy does, but he just doesn't. I, I, I think he doesn't have the the one thing he ha- doesn't have that Buddy has is that mental strength. Buddy mm. just wants to dominate a game, and he believes in himself, and he just believes if I stamp my authority, I will win the game for my team. Danaher is scared at the moment; like he he is scared of losing the game rather than winning it. And he just should not be. He should have built on last season and thought, I am good enough. He was named in the best 22 players in the league. And while I don't agree with the fact that he was put there, because Ben Brown should have been, he was he was there. There's enough people that think he's in that, deserves that position. So he can't, you don't just lose talent overnight. And, and if you remember, Buddy early in his career, he kept missing goals. Mm. But he just kept going and going and going because he believed in himself. Where Danaher's missing goals and then he starts panicking and then he starts worrying about it and it affects the rest of his game. Yeah, that, that's what's really bad, the way it creeps in. As soon as he misses a set shot, which the way he's approaching it, he's bound yeah. to do, so much else follows. He's not marking the ball other than short hit-up leads too far out uh, to score from or really build anything from. 
And he's just not offering enough. I There's talk of him playing in the ruck, but I don't think that'd really help him. I, I just think he's got to go back to basics and start trying to kick some goals. Big problems for Essendon. Very big problems. Yeah. You would not be happy as an Essendon. No, and you would be pretty happy if you... Didn't tip them to make the eight. Got accosted for it, and uh, turned out you're looking pretty you still, good. You still picked a ninth, so they're probably looking below that at the moment. Oh, can I just very quickly say how good Neville Jetta was? Like, he was easily second best on ground. Is he now going to be uh, all Australian? Oh well, no, but because no one will recognise how good he is consistently enough. But like, <laughs> he was so good. Like, he just didn't make a mistake, and there were a lot of mistakes made in this game, and he was just perfect from start to finish. I love that man. He's pretty good, I'll give you that. Yay! No, he's defeated Collingwood by 43. Just a solid Richmond win, really. Oh, odd stories coming out of this one. Yeah. Most are really hyping up Collingwood about it. Including uh, Hardwick, who said they're the best team they've played all year. Including the team they lost to by six goals and beat them by 48 in contested possession. Apparently that team is worse than Collingwood. Which, if you look at the time they played each other, true. Mate, I can understand it. I can understand the excitement about Collingwood. They've had a great run and this game for three quarters I think Richmond is so clearly the best team at the moment it's, it's not funny and for three quarters they were well and truly in the game um, and you have to take into account the fact that they had that slightly shorter break and they had a few injuries during the game and they died a little bit and Richmond are a great finishing team and they you combine are. those things together it makes it pretty tough so I have a question for you what makes this game particularly different your game the week before. Mate, our game, we were utterly flogged in the second quarter and we should have been eight goals down at halftime. That wasn't the case in this game. Collingwood were defensively... They're defensively not... like They're behind Richmond, but the way they're setting up at the moment is somewhat reminiscent of it. Um, and they're, they've always had a great midfield. They're hard at it and they're starting to get some outside speed and they're spreading hard as well. They're starting to play as a unit and they have enough talent there. So it was pretty much the same margin. You won more contested ball than they did, and you had a better inside fifty differential. What makes you really think? Why are you so unhappy with Melbourne's performance the week before, and why do you have rose-tinted glasses on this Collingwood performance? We have a good inside fifty differential every game. We, we we're not working in that sense, and and Richmond were just so much more clinical than us, and they just. They, you were watching the game and you just thought Richmond are just a far, far, far better team than Melbourne. And we just, I don't know, we just cracked in occasionally at the contest and got a scrappy kick forward and got inside 50s, but they were so well far on top of us. We're, that wasn't the case in this game. This was a really good game for three quarters. Uh, take your word for it. Uh, let's move on to the derby. Eagles, um, do you have anything more to say on that game? Oh, not particularly. I no, mean. I don't at all because I didn't watch it. Eagles have been prayer by eight points. This was a good game. Yeah, I love a derby. It's it's I love a derby, and this was quite a good derby. Can I do the Victorian thing where I ask you is it derby or derby for them? Because I never remember. They they say it's derby, but it's derby. So they're wrong. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Okay, this was a good game of football, though. The ball was moving pretty well. There was intense. Well, I can never tell if it's intense because the crowd's intense about the game, or the game's actually. That is a factor, but I, I think the. I think they work together. Like The crowd yeah, feeds into the game, other. and then it does become intense. So. Yeah, and to be honest, I was pretty impressed with the way Freo played. They had a few injuries throughout the game, and they got pretty close. Yeah, they did, and they missed Tabiner, who I think is surprisingly important structurally for them, because Hearn and McGovern were able to just dominate the air in a way mm-hmm. that I don't think they would have been able to if Tabiner had played. And some of their kids are looking pretty good now. Yeah, the two top five picks helped, I think. They both look pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Ryan is a kid still across half back. Yeah. And there's, yeah, he more through there. The Banfield, I'm not sure how old he is, but he's first game. I'm a big fan of uh, Blakely. Yes, no, he's good. He's, he's a good player. They've just got, yeah. I've been Darcy looking Tucker at, goes all right. Yeah, you've he been looking at their side on paper the last few years and gone, it's not that bad. Why are they performing so poorly? And. I think we're starting to see it actually develop the way and come perform relative to what you'd expect of what of what they have on paper. I, I think in previous years, the last two years, I've looked at their team on paper and you get drawn to the big names and they've always had a bit of talent in mm. those big names and then outside of that, the amount of unknown players are shocking. Those aren't, They're getting less of those unknown yeah. players and then the ones who were there are starting to play all right. And all yeah. of a sudden, you're seeing the stars, plus you're seeing a bit of talent from the kids as well. Mm. And I, I honestly think Frio are on a pretty good track at the moment. 
Yeah, no, I'd be pretty happy about it looking at them if I was a Freo supporter. Yep. The rebuild is not not complete, but borderline complete. I think they'll be touching the bottom end of the eight this year. I think they'll be in contention for it. Yeah. I'm not sure whether they'll get it. But, and I, but th- I, think I think there the will be further after, improvement, yeah. Because the, they do have Sandy who's going to retire yeah, soon. that'll hurt. And that'll kill them. That'll really hurt, absolutely. But they've got Sean Darcy. He actually was really through. good last year. He was. He's done his ACL this year. Yeah. But if that if that transition is not, it's not going to be seamless because Sandy is one of the best ruckmen to ever yeah. play the game. But yeah. if it's close, if it's if he replicates what Sandy does to ninety percent of the yeah. quality, which I think he's capable of, I think that Frio side can really develop. Mundy's another one who will go, and so is Johnson. Yeah. But neither of those two are as important as they have been in years past. Exactly. Exactly. Because like, I'm shocked that Alex Good, good to see you getting on the Freo wagon, mate. Yeah, we them. should talk about the winners, though. Because I think they're properly... <laughs> they're definitely a top eight side, I think. It's going to be hard for them to miss. They're five and one. Yeah, I, they're a top eight side, I think. They I, they haven't played a lot of good teams. They really... They got the job done. But they just beat Freo, Scott. <laughs> they're, they're not a great team, Freo. <laughs> when the test comes, I think they will be found wanting. That doesn't mean they won't get enough wins to make the top eight. And to be fair, a few years ago they made a grand final and I don't think they were a very good team. They had a very good run and they managed to capitalise on all the games. They should win and they got to a grand final. So I don't think that'll happen this year, but I think they're looking better than they actually are right now. Interesting. I think they've had a few players improve quite dramatically and that's mm-hmm. what's lifting them. I've been shocked with how good Darling's been. Yeah, and he's kept it going once Kennedy's been back. Yeah, yeah, the first blip two weeks ago now and he was pretty ordinary yeah, then yeah. and so was Kennedy so maybe that was just them getting used to each other but this week they both were really important I think they kicked seven goals or eight goals between them Yep. and yeah there's Hearn is playing at a career best level yeah that, that's point. fair he and is, that makes a big difference he has him. been incredible and he's getting involved in the game enough where his elite kicking becomes an issue for opposition sides yeah he can be damaging his ability to penetrate is just absurd when I talk about how good Whitfield is off half back what he reminds me of is Hearn's drive. His kicking is just unbelievable. And yeah. it's low and it's quick and it it's better. His kicking is better than having a quick player because of how quickly he can move the ball. Yeah, and he he's often done it a couple of times a game. You're like, oh, he's, he's doing it more consistently at the moment. Yeah, well, he's, he's getting form. 25 touches reasonably consistently. Yep. And 25 of his touches is... 30, 35 and others. Yeah. You say that about a few players. North people always used to tell themselves about Wells, not really sure whether it was true or not, but Hearn is one of those players. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think he's a big driving force about how good they've been this year. And obviously, Scott Lysett. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Place it. Where are they going to finish? Where are they going to finish? I'd give him a solid sixth at the moment. Yeah, okay. I was thinking seventh or eighth. Yeah. I think their home field advantage, which is really apparent, is going to carry through. Still is apparent, even with the new home ground. (sighs) I was hoping it'd fall away a little bit. But anyway, let's get to our top five. In keeping with the theme of the week, we're going to go top five least favourite teams to watch. Um, We have been allowed to include each other's teams, and we'll see who's the most vindictive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's factual, (laughs) let's be honest. Uh, Do I I begin? Yeah, take it away. Uh, I'm, I'm giving Hawthorne a five. Now a lot of a lot of people like watching Hawthorne because I'm disappointed in myself for not putting them in. They, they get that machine thing going, and people kind of think, "Oh, you sit back and just go kind of wow." I think that's really boring. They're very methodical. They're too methodical. There's not a lot of excitement in the way yeah. that they play. Outside of like Isaac Smith, who can really break the line, there's not a and whole Cyril thing. when he's in. Yeah, but I don't think you can count on Cyril at this point. Short kicking isn't exciting. It's effective, and I have no problem with you doing it. It's not exciting to watch, and that's that's how they play the game. Yeah, very true. I, I rate that pick, and a bit myth I didn't put them in. Given I, I, I know how much you bloody hate Hawthorne. Uh, I thought I've you got were Geelong. Yeah, I, I, and I, I was borderline giving. I, I was probably going to give him an honourable mention. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel bad because Dangerfield is incredible to watch. So is Ablett. Selwood less so, but he is a great player. But their entries inside fifty just give me the shits. Why you goes to the the pocket so often and so wide just infuriates me it's bad coaching it leads to their inefficiency going forward and it I think it holds them back and it just infuriates me that and they don't actually have much run off half back either which hurts they're very 
plain. But the way they actually try to score, they're just they're very very mm. vanilla. But I, I I knocked them out just on the basis of you know they've got danger. Yeah, and <laughs> I like a few of their players like rationally and more than I should. Like I think Parfit's really good. I like College Jasny more than College Jasny's not that great. Parfit's fine. I think he's a good kid, but he's fine. <laughs> there's I still their ball movement just kills me. So that's why they're five. Okay, uh, four. I'm gonna. I'm harping back a little bit here, and I, I'm wondering whether I can continue to maintain this, this throughout this the year. This is a shit take. Go ahead. I'm going with West Coast. Right. So I found West Coast to be an incredibly boring team to watch. Again, short kicking, not a lot of fun, and that's the way that they score. I found them boring for a very long time. They have been more exciting this year. I'm happy to. I'm pleased to. They say are that. a lot better this year. I didn't even consider them this year. Yes, but I, I, I do. I, I can accept that, but. Like, I'm not happy to say that they've definitely moved on from the boring... They have Nick Nat. They have Willy Rioli. They did have Liam Ryan. And he will come back. Willy Rioli's not that exciting yet. I think he has did the ability to be. No, he's, he's exciting. And he's more enjoyable than the other Riolis because he doesn't look like he should be playing AFL football. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Hearn <laughs> uh, off halfback, I think, is making me go, wow, which I think is an important part of looking good. And I that's think, just form, though. Like he's in form. I, I I can't see that standing up over the course of the season. By the end of the season, they're running more than they have. Their game plan has shifted. It's not as methodical. They're running more. When they had guys like Venables in there, they've got Petrocelli in now. They're quick and they're quick through the half forward flank, which leads to quick goals, and that's exciting. I still think the way they're playing is methodical, but they've got in some more X Factor players around it to make them to lift them a little bit more. But I think a lot of them are just in good form at the moment, and I can see them being boring throughout the course of the season. But look, I'm happy to be proved wrong. I hope by the end of the season, I love sitting down and watching a West Coast game. But right now, I see West Coast and I don't get too excited. Yeah, okay. I've got Melbourne for my four. You're boring. No, we're not. You're we're a very watchable team. You've got Max Gorn and that's it. Who else is interesting? A few weeks ago, Jordan Lewis had like said that he reckons there's lots more neutral people coming to Melbourne games because they, we play a really attractive brand. We're, we're exciting with the way we use our hands. You can't score when you get inside 50, and that matters. Your forward efficiency is terrible. But the way we the get into the reasons, 50 looks good. The f- that doesn't matter. We're that very much. good with our hands. We get some overlap. Right? You have one it. player that's very good with his hands, and that's Clayton, and the rest are average. Clayton's brilliant. You to don't watch. have Petrarca much back to watch. Hunt is not playing well at the moment. No, Petrarca is fine to watch. He does not pass oh. games open. Oh, he does. No, he, he does. He, he he's a very watchable year. football. That's you've not got, true. You've got a lot of players like Harms. You've got a lot of players like Kent. You've got. Frosty is your Kent, second most exciting player. Kent is player. an extremely exciting no, player. No, he is not. Kent is fast he is and aggressive. Very, he's not that good, but he's very exciting. Average. No, your he's team a very is watchable vanilla, player. Vanilla, Scott. And you're not going... Hogan's good to watch? Hogan is not good to watch. What is good about Hogan to watch? Him whinge and moan when he doesn't take a contestant mark. The fact that he his never takes... His presence is good to watch. His presence is not good to watch. His presence is, I look fatter than I should because my jumper's too wide. That's his presence, Scott. I'm not talking about his level of attractiveness. I'm talking about the way he plays his football. He, he, he does not have presence. He's too far up the wing. He's not a good footballer to watch. But when he's I deep... never... And there's a long ball into he, Hogan. There is excitement. There I is, never he's think he's got a launch this ball. I never think he's going to take him. And quite mark. often he brings it to ground, which is great. He, yeah. But he, he, he gives really you a want chance. your star forward to be doing what Drew Petrie was doing when he should have been dropped. Oh, but he also gets 25 touches and kicks three yeah, goals. Yeah, 25 cheap touches up the ground instead of doing what the hell. <laughs> Hogan's a very forward. watchable player. He's not watchable. He's Jeff Garlett's exciting. Jeff Garlett is exciting when you're playing well. You're not playing well, so he's not exciting. Salem's sexy. Salem's hurt. You're a boring team, You're a boring team. We're not a boring team. You're wrong on that one. You are wrong on I'm that not one. wrong on that one. Mate. You're too many vanilla players. Anyway, anyway, uh, I'm going to start annoying you now. Three votes, Gold Coast. Gold Coast. I understand this. My love for them is completely <laughs> radical. This is not me getting... I, I cannot defend my opinion of Gold Coast. I just like watching them. <laughs> I could not give a toss. The only thing that gives me any excitement when I watch a Gold Coast game is Tom Lynch. What about Stephen May's chance to hit somebody? That's right up there with Toby Green. <laughs> Stephen May's not an exciting player. That, that, that An exciting player doesn't exist on their list. I used to like watching him purely to watch Ablett, but that's gone now. Aaron Hall's exciting. He's not playing. He's, did he play this week? No, he's still he's, dropped. He's not <laughs> playing, mate. You said the same thing about Salem. I just... 
when I see Gold Coast on paper on a I don't know whatever sitting down and watch a game I'm like could not give a toss yeah no I cannot complain I do not know <laughs> why I love them the way I do but I do love them the way I do so I'm not gonna not gonna call you out on that one uh, I've got Bulldogs next you don't like them but that doesn't mean they're not watchable no at this point they're not watchable well they're just not good yeah and that matters <laughs> But it's, it's about the way that they try to play the game, the way that they play the game. They don't try and play the game in a particular way anymore. They're I, just a frustrated, glory-gazing <laughs> team that doesn't have anything special outside of Bontempelli. Do you agree that they were watchable in their premiership year? They yes were no. great to watch. In some ways, yes. In others, no. No, they were Their hands were incredible. They still weren't great going forward. The intensity was incredible. Yeah, and I agree with that. But going forward, they've never been... That that made them not good, but I I don't think that affected their watchability. I I found them... I I got really excited sitting down and watching a dose game. And I do now, anyway. There are players who excite me. Bontempelli is one of the sexiest players in the comp. McRae's really good to watch. You like McRae because you know McRae. No, that is a hundred. McRae is a watchable player. He is silky the way he moves and the way he distributes the ball. In very similar way to another sexy player, Andrew Gaff, who I also happen to have a connection with because he also went to our school. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they're just not good to watch at this point. They don't have anything going forward. They don't have anything good defensively. Jay Anderson's not doing what he was exciting about him. Yeah, he is exciting, He is though. exciting, but That is still excites me, though. When I'm watching a dog's game, I'm like, I want to see Johannesson get yeah, going. Yeah, but he doesn't do anything. At a certain <laughs> point, you have to look at what they're doing now, and Johannesson isn't doing anything. That's just as a quick aside, speaking of watchability, I, I, I really like the Tom Boyd new do. I reckon it gives him a bit more presence. You won't get this, but I agree, because he looks like Ricky Rubio, who's an NBA basketball player. I couldn't give a toss about that, but like, he's lacked a bit he of presence. He looks like a samurai. Career. He's, he's got it at the moment with that. With oh, that no, I'm all like for it. it. It is the only man button that makes you look tough. But oh, it's incredible. Anyway, two I've given to Brisbane. How is Brisbane not in your top five? Could you give a toss about when Brisbane are playing? Yeah, I like watching Charlie Cameron. <laughs> is that the only reason? Uh, Beams is good. I don't know. Zorko. They're just, they're just so gold jacket, green jacket. They I are. Just, I just could not give but a toss. But they also, like... Eighth highest scoring team in the competition, and they concede a shitload of points, so it's always a shootout. <laughs> no, that matters. There's just nothing about watching a Brisbane game excites me. You might. Oh, Eric Hipwood occasionally kicks a monster goal. Oh, like, never. Like, he does it about once every five weeks. Kick one this week. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> What's yours? Uh, I've got Essendon. Well, that's just dumb. Why? Because Essendon at their best are brilliant to watch. They yeah. play a very, very good game. You keep saying at their best as though everybody's a team that were two years ago. But, no, but that's the way that I'm looking at this. I'm looking at you see their brand of footy and you say the watchability of the way that they play the game. Essendon do not know You're how to You're just picking the, the worst teams. In, no, I'm not. <laughs> You're on there and Geelong's on there. They're not the worst two teams. <laughs> yeah, but that's just spite. <laughs> I don't hate Geelong. I like Geelong. Anyway, Essendon... They cannot move the ball between half forward and half, uh, half back and half forward. Yes, they point. can. No, they can't. They get it once or twice a game when it breaks open. They do not have a competent, repeatable structure, and that annoys me. You were there on Anzac Day. They had no idea what they were doing going forward, and that's not the only time this has happened. Yeah, but they, they, they're just not informed. Like At the this way point, they play, I'm doing it. As of time. now, I don't want to watch them play football. I do. I still get excited to watch an Essendon game. Yeah, could you go your head in the sand? That's fine, I, but you're wrong. I see the potential in the game. Okay. I'm more positive than now, you. Now, have you go at North? Yeah, North are number one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I hate watching it. It's 100% it just, spite. No, it just makes me angry. Like you're the, not a good team to watch. We're like the fifth highest scoring team in the competition every year. Ben All Brown them. is a very good player, but he's not an exciting forward. He's, he's just hit up lead you mark. Think, you think Hogan's exciting and not Ben Brown? <laughs> yes, I do think that. Just it, go. Just hit up lead mate. Your midfield is so one paced and bored. Sean Higgins is one of the sexiest players in the league, he's and he not. just is. Have, Kane, having not watched, having he's not boring. in that midfield at this point. <laughs> having not watched a North Melbourne game in three years, I don't understand how you can make this comment. I watch North it. games all the time. I quite get into them actually because I hate them <laughs> so much. But, nah, no, no. Jed Anderson's taken three hangers already. Oh right, home. Okay, May Jack's watchable. That's all you've got. Miley Williams is watchable. Oh, not really. Yeah, he's, he's playing more defensively. Scott Thompson, now. you never know what he's going to do. 
Stop saying people have the potential to hit someone makes the team exciting. Who's your number one? Because it's also dumb. St. Gilda. On, on the exact same basis as Essendon, is that yeah. St. Kilda's brand of footy is very good to watch. No, it sucks. They don't have a brand of football. Yeah, they're shit at the moment. <laughs> that matters, Scott. I don't know how you can say that, that doesn't matter. I've, I've looked at Did this you watch Good Friday and go, oh, this was a good yeah, start. That's because of, of you. <laughs> we won by 50 points. It could not have been because of us. They dragged that game down because their style is shit. They don't have any <laughs> forward movement, any forward structure that works at all. They're relying on Membrin McCartan, which isn't working, even though Mem- uh, McCartan's been better, which says how far back it was coming from. They're, none of their half forwards are worth anything other than Billings, and he doesn't know how to kick yes, a goal. Their midfield is <laughs> awful. Their backline is just, I'm going to kick it sideways so we can rack up some stats. And Jack Season runs 50 metres forward and kicks the ball to the opposition. Nah, Zach Stevens good to watch. But <laughs> I look, think we both said Zach Stevens, so I apologise for that. <laughs> They're falling down at the moment, but I've just I've looked at it from a different lens as you have. I've looked at it at the brand of footy that they play. That That's all I've looked at and that they try to play. I'm not how looking do you at hate it? Brisbane because they play kamikaze forward movement football? That's the same as these No, they two. don't. Brisbane play a boring... I don't even know what Brisbane tries to do. Because you never watch them. I do watch them. Watch some football, them. Scott, and maybe you'd understand. I do watch them, you flog. <sighs> Can we do some bloody questions? <laughs> Let's I'm move on. on. Let's move on. Uh, so, here we go. Why is every game so low scoring? I gave him the theme going. Oh, no, I talked about it last week. I, I, it, the coaches have just got on top of the game again. It wasn't low scoring at the start of the year. It was very exciting, but teams are getting really good at setting up. It's also because it's the worst kicking for goal in the last uh, 60 years or something. Yeah, that's probably a factor. But I don't think this is that much different. To... No, it, the, the angst over this being really bad football is completely overblown. This it, happens every year. It does. You have a bad round occasionally. Next week there might be a really high scoring round of football and the stats will be completely different. And, and it, it, it an goes down throughout the year. There's always a little bit of excitement at the start and people get their expectations up and then coaches get on top and it's it's a little yeah, low scoring. That doesn't mean it's bad footy though. It's generally closer and they're quite intense those Yeah, and in games. round 16 when somebody makes another innovation that changes the game a little bit and breaks it open, there'll be another two weeks of really high scoring. Yeah, also, exactly. the teams will stop caring... And they'll get flogged. Exactly. The game, the game, scoring good. rounds back. It's a good, it's a good game. Okay, this question I don't quite understand what he's trying to do, but would Ben Brown win the Coleman on a relevant team? <laughs> Who asked this? David Payne, and I'm not undersure. <laughs> he's going to win the Coleman on a supposedly irrelevant team that's not very good. He's going to win the Coleman. He's like five goals up already, and he doesn't kick less than four goals unless it's a monsoon. But on a relevant team in every football side. Every football side, including Sydney, he'd be used as the main avenue to go. But he would be used as the higher half forward that pushes pushes deeper with run because he's a lot better than that. Every football side would play him out of the square and he would kick bucket loads of goals for every football side. I think the problem with this call for me is that the relevant teams in the competition are making themselves relevant based on the fact that they're sharing the load so much. And I was thinking like, oh, if you put him in the Richmond team or in the Adelaide team, I'm like, no, because he'd he'd probably score less goals because, you know, Tex would be scoring them. And Richmond don't don't want a dominant forward. That's not the way that they play. Oh, they do. Have you heard? Yeah, they they, they say they do, but... Yeah, it, like, that argument doesn't hold a lot of sway, that argument of if they're in a better team, they'll get more inside 50s because they would share the load more. And I think he's probably kicking more goals for North because you are irrelevant. I just resent that. <laughs> um, no, like, we've got, a, we've got a system where key forwards kick a lot of goals. We, got, we played really poorly in our key forwards kick seven goals between Wade and Brown. That's happened over and over again. We're getting good contributions from all our key forwards. It is possible. But, uh, but you're not getting contributions from smalls or mids. No, but that's a talent deficiency more than anything. <laughs> yeah, but that's still that's still a factor. Like the ben goals Brown be, is still... For Richmond, the goals will be kicked by smalls Ben and Brown mids. is an efficient option towards for going towards goal. I'm not bagging Ben Brown. I'm not even bagging your style of no, play. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, saying. I'm, I'm having a better the discussion team. about why they wouldn't <laughs> stop going to him. Because, as you say, Ben Brown never doesn't bring the ball to ground. Like he's just too long and he can reach a giraffe arm everywhere. And every time he capitalises his shots on goal at a phenomenal rate, that is probably the only person in the competition who can do it. I think the way Ben Brown is playing now would detriment the style of play that both Adelaide and Richmond have. 
I don't think I so. I think the reason they're so good is that they're so selfless and they share the load so much and that's what makes them good. But I think there's a difference between being selfless and looking for efficient ways to score goals. But I think their selfless way is that's what makes them efficient at scoring goals. Ben Brown is phenomenal on the lead. Probably behind only Kennedy. Yes. That would fit in Adelaide's side. Yeah, he would fit. I'm not saying he wouldn't be a good player in the Adelaide side. I'm just saying that the way that they play will spread the load a bit more. Yeah, fair enough. I think he'd win the Coleman in any side because the best sport in the competition. (laughs) And Buddy's hurt. But anyway, let's move on. So here's a bit of an essay question. How worried should we be about the culture of the AFL with recent headlines surrounding harassment by Ross Lyon and it coming to light the bomber Thompson substance abuse, which has been said to be not limited to his post-coaching days? This stuff question doesn't make sense. <laughs> Given that coaches set the culture at clubs a role model... Yeah, you forgot the second half of the first sentence. Given that coaches set the culture at clubs and are role models for their players and players role models for the community, how troubling are these developments and could they possibly just be the tip of the iceberg? <laughs> They're worrying. Let's move on. <laughs> but yeah, no, they are really bad. Like, Ross Lyon, the AFL endorsing the hush money is terrible. Yeah, it is. I get the impression the Ross Lyon thing was very much blown out of proportion. I get the impression that was not much at all. I have not read a single word on what it actually is, so I don't know, but the AFL... I already are... said something inappropriate to someone at a Christmas function about her attire, is what I heard. And it was it was settled for a low, like, $1,000 figure, like... I heard 10 but anyway. Uh, yeah, it's really bad, and when it bleeds into the players, you get what West Coast had when half their players are in drug re- uh, have drug yeah. issues. Bomber's a bit... Scary. It doesn't actually surprise me that much. The guy looks like he's, he's, he's an odd unit. Yeah, and the uh, frozen water comment he made a couple of yeah, a few right. months ago, was, right. which was funny at the time, less funny now. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, a Richmond running out games better than the opposition because of their forward lo- small forward line. This is from the pooch. His theory is because they're smaller yeah, players, they're, the they're better <laughs> runners, they're fitter than is if they'd have key forwards. So they've got more players they can push through the midfield. Oh, I, I think it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch. I, I don't think there's much causation there. I <laughs> they run out games well. They get they get momentum in the last quarter with the crowd behind them and stuff. And they I don't know. They're they're a good finishing team. They've probably got good endurance. I think it's a little bit of premiership swagger going on at the moment. A really confident yeah, they believe side it's three quarter time. They can do it. Like, if it's close, they yeah. just. They've got the ability that they just think they can win. It's like Port when they had that we're the fittest team in the competition run. Yeah. I don't think they're actually that much fitter. They just yeah. thought they could do it. And when you think you can do it, you're willing to run to the next contest that little bit more. Yep. Good answer, Scotty. Let's move on to the tips. Now, I got one more than you this week. Uh, so that extends my lead to Changing two. my Melbourne tip hurt me. Have we figured out a prize yet? No. <laughs> Good update. Thanks, uh, Poochie. <laughs> Very helpful. Maybe we'll put a post about it. Really, uh... Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Really solicit Because we're getting some good, uh... Traction. Yeah. Uh, so, first tip. Geelong GWS at GMHBS 80. I'm going to go Geelong. Ooh, interesting. Going for the bounce back. Yeah. Uh, I'll go GWS, but I... If they don't have any ins, I think I'll probably change it. Banky on Toby Green and... Maybe Josh Kelly, yeah, okay. something coming in. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, well, this is Gold Jacket. Uh, dog Sons. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> uh, dogs. In Ballarat. <laughs> yeah, the occasion points won't be great. Dogs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go Sons again. Liable to change. You're it. an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Essendon Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Yep. Uh, Eagles Power at Optus. I don't want to, but I think I have to go West Coast. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Uh, Sydney North. Sydney. Oh, terrible. You're not, you're not going to do Sydney. North, um, <laughs> Adelaide Carlton, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket as well. Adelaide. Oh, that, that, it could be not Gold Jacket, Green Jacket because it could be so interesting how one-sided it is. It'd have to be 186 points. <laughs> be the case. When we get to like a 100-point margin, you start getting margin points because it becomes interesting how much of a flogging it is. No, it's got to be like 120. <laughs> no, well, you get a few more points. Stop being subjective. 100 points as opposed to 30 points. It's more interesting. 
God. Richmond Frio. Ah, <laughs> uh, Richmond. Yep. Uh, St Kilda D's at Etihad. I'm a little bit worried about our injuries, so I will reserve my tip, but for now I'll say Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. You've won 480 last five at Etihad just quietly. Yeah, no probably, better day, so. <laughs> probably better there. Yeah, you've lost four of your last. You've lost four of your last five at the G. Yeah, that's not great. That's a uh, Fox Footy ripoff stat. That one, uh, Brisbane Collingwood. Collingwood. Yeah, that's another option for uh, yeah, Gold yeah. Jacket. But anyway, that about the wraps it formula up. Formula will have a busy weekend. Yeah, you'll have to do a lot of maths. Exactly. When was the last time you did maths, Scotty? I have a calculator, Banjo. Okay, I have faith in you. <laughs> but if North are there, poor, <laughs> something wrong. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Plebs on Footy podcast. Yeah, good sign-off. <laughs>